Good, good morning. Uh, thank you, Pastor John. I did stretch in between the services. And you'll get that joke very shortly. Um, so Pastor Monty and, and Olga are in Ohio preaching at a sister church. Um, and so I was charged with the bringing the word to you all today. And um, yeah, so first, ser- first um, service was really energetic and they preached back to me. So you guys got to outdo them. So we in the, we in the last uh, sermon of our series, Classic Jesus. And how many of us have been blessed by, by the series so far? Absolutely. We've, we've seen Jesus' character through his words, his actions, his connections to individuals. We've seen through his parables and through his demonstration to others how he has strategically chosen the marginalized, the underdog. In the classic way, Jesus is recognizing the problem. He's telling a story. And then he asks a question to us all that wrecks us. So today's question that he's asking us is, what would you have me do? These past three weeks, we've seen Jesus demonstrate the power and the love and the compassion by which we all should move. We've seen him ask the question, who do you call me? And people correctly call him the Messiah. He he asks, who is your neighbor? And we respond, our neighbor is not though, our neighbor are not the folks that live close to us or who look exactly like us, but our neighbors are anyone who has blood coursing through their veins. Again, Jesus purposely chooses the underdog, the one that society and culture tells us to dissociate from. But he tells us to, I have saved you. You once called me a stranger. Now I call you a friend. Now you go out and you touch and you grab those others. He tells us to go show ourselves to be priests. But let's, let's dive into the scripture and, and understand where this question, what would you have me do, comes from. So in Mark 10, in the tail end of Mark 10, Jesus is uh, in the city of Jericho, and he's telling his stories, and he's um, preaching truths, and he's tearing down strongholds, and he encounters blind Bartimaeus. The Bible actually describes him as blind Bartimaeus. I think it's I think it's strategic and intentional that he attaches his illness or his affliction to his name. So he calls, blind Bartimaeus comes, calls out to Jesus, Jesus, son of David, Jesus, the Messiah. And everyone around him says, cool out, chill. They rebuke him. He's like, no, no, no. Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus, son of David. And Jesus says, call him. And blind bar me is, all right, cool. I take off my stuff. Cool. I'm good. So then Jesus asked him the question, what would you have me do? And blind Bartimaeus says, recover my sight. Jesus says, done. Go. Now your faith has made you well. And immediately his sight was recovered. We see that Jesus 
is responding to the request. Jesus says, what would you have me do? And blind Bartimaeus is blind no more. But then there's a response that Jesus, that Jesus is calling Bartimaeus to do. And if we know anything about Bartimaeus, he was pivotal, pivotal a crucial role in expanding the, uh, the early church in the first century. His legacy, we are affected by even today. But he had to first be separated from his affliction. We see that same truth in Matthew 8, chapter, um, yeah, Matthew 8, verse 1. Let's read that. When he came down the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him. Everyone say, knelt before him. Saying, Lord, if you will. You can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand. Everyone say, stretch out his hand. And touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was clean. And Jesus said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the gift that Moses commanded for proof to them all. We see that he was called the leper. So again, he was attached, his identity was attached to his affliction. But when he had that encounter with Jesus, his identity was changed. Let's, 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 let's break down the leper because I hear this all the time. I've, I've, I've heard the scripture preached and we, I, I, we correctly and uh, we should look at the faith of the leper that he pushed through anything, any of his conditions, any of his circumstances. He's, he pushed through to have an encounter with Jesus because of his faith, and we should see that. But let's, let's break down a little bit what, what leper is. So to be a leper, it was more than just a skin condition, a discoloration of your skin. It, leper can also have a neurological or physiological effect on your body. So it affects you in things that you cannot see. It affects your sense of touch. The signals that come from your skin, from your fingertips, or from any part of your skin to your brain, you can, it's severed. So you cannot feel touch. So imagine, imagine going through life not being able to feel touch, not being able to feel the warm embrace of a loved one because of a condition inside of you. Imagine going through life and having that anxiety and that shame because people are shunning you because of a disease. Imagine being outcast from your family. Imagine being outcast from your, your loved ones. Imagine that greatest sensation that you feel, the warm blanket on a cold day. You can no longer feel that because of your, your affliction. How many of us can identify with the leper? Carrying the shame of an affliction carrying the shame of past transgressions that were done towards us or done by us. Many of us can, and we we run in desperation, more than desperation, we run in faith to Jesus to be cleansed. But imagine what it felt like to be a leper. When he came through that crowd, they spread like the Red Sea. It's like, I ain't touching him. Imagine that. But in the same way, how many of us can identify with the crowd? Uh, y'all, y'all ain't really, y'all ain't preaching with me now, huh? 
But that's, but that's real. How many of us, when we see people that are afflicted, we see people that have this disease inside of them that they don't even know is afflicting them, and we shun them because of our religious beliefs, our doctrine, our preferences, our past experience with people that may have had that affliction. But Jesus, let's focus on Jesus. So we got, we got the leper. We understand the leper. We understand his condition. We understand that his identity was wrapped in his condition. We understand that the stronghold that was holding him down, we understand that. But let's look at Jesus, because Jesus tells us in uh, an amazing way, if we look at his actions, his love, his compassion that he has for the leper, we see what our response is. We who have been cleansed, we, we who have been healed, what Jesus t- tells us to do. So let's look at this. What's the first thing that Jesus did? He made himself available and he was willing. Verse 2, and behold, a leper came and knelt before him. That's what y'all said. He cannot kneel before Jesus if Jesus is running around too busy or, or running around and, and too focused on his own circumstances or if his demeanor was in a way that it was not approachable, or if he just didn't have the reputation of love and compassion. That's how he wants us to be, willing and able to be engaged, willing and able to engage those who are afflicted. We cannot, come, we cannot be like Jesus, be approached like Jesus, be available and willing like Jesus, if we have a demeanor that is angry or that is nasty, or if we have an attitude that says, don't even talk to me right now. I didn't have my coffee. Now I'm good. That's, that's me. Or, or if we don't talk to someone because we do not know that person, because we call them stranger rather than neighbor. If we don't even like that person or if we're too busy. Or if our circumstances are more important than reaching out and being engaged. We have to be willing to take on that weight. The leper, blind Bartimaeus, they had that weight of their affliction. They were so wrapped into that identity that carry on that weight. We have to be able to reach out and touch our neighbor so that we take on that weight as well. If we are purpose to be vehicles of miracles. If we are purpose to be to break down strongholds, we have to be willing to engage. If someone wants to come before us, let them kneel before us for as long as it takes for them to be healed. Because Jesus did the same for you. So we understand that Jesus was available and he was willing. The other thing is Jesus stretched out his hand. Y'all said that too. Verse 3, and Jesus stretched out his hand and touched the leper. He, in other words, he overextended himself. Any barrier that the leper was inflicted with, he went past that barrier. I love the word, um, the Greek word there, ektiano. It is E-K-T-E-I-N-O. 
Ectiano means to stretch out or to extend yourself. But I love uh, the breakdown of that ek, ek. The prefix of that word is a genitive or a part of a speech, a part of speech that shows possession. So in our language, it would be adding like adding apostrophe s to a word. So Amir's water or Amir's Bible. Other examples of genitives are um, his, hers, theirs. So, in other words, Jesus is reaching out and he is taking possession of that affliction, taking possession of that leper. And he's saying, the power that's inside of me, the love that I'm compelled with, the love that I am, I'm reaching out and I'm taking possession of that affliction. So that is, it, afflicted, it afflicts you no more. It's no more a part of your identity. I have given you a new identity. We have to be moved in the same way. Not only should we be willing to engage, we have to stretch out even past our comforts. As, I, as I'm getting older, I'm, I'm learning the importance of stretching. I used to be able just to get, get busy, like, boom, we in there, we're working out. But now, I got to stretch. I got to do about 20, I got to warm up, then stretch, then, you know, it's, it's, it's a whole process now. But I'm learning the importance of stretching. In fact, when I turned 30, the first, my, a week later, I, I pulled my Achilles because I failed to stretch. It's like, ah, hey, it's welcome to 30. Goodness. But it's important that we stretch, even though it's uncomfortable. We must stretch out in order to break down strongholds inside of others. The living water in us is so powerful. John 7, if anyone thirsts, let them come to me and drink. Whosoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of the heart will flow rivers of living water. If you believe in Christ, that living water is inside of you, powerful enough to not only heal you, but heal the world around you. It, is, it has the power to shape realities. It has the power to call out the potential that God sees. It has the power to shape legacies. So Jesus was willing and to be engaged. He stretched out his hand, met the leper where he was. The third thing we see is that he touched those in need. He touched the leper. So he, reached, he stretched out his hand. And he touched him. Jesus was defying all customs that told him as a priest he could not touch a leper. He was defying even natural occurrences by touching a leper, a highly contagious condition. Everything within the natural would tell him, don't touch. But Jesus is saying, that power that's inside of me is more powerful than anything that can occupy anything else. Jesus is saying, your life is more important as my neighbor. Your life is more important. So I'm going to stretch out and touch, even though religious doctrine, even though uh, customs, society, my past experiences, because I love you. I have compassion for you. That same love that has driven me, I have compassion for you. I love 
the breakdown of that word in the Greek. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. I don't even know if I said ectiano correct, but y'all with me. All right, close enough, right? It sounded like it. It looked like it. But the, it's not just to touch, like, boom. It's not that. It's to fasten or to cling to. So I'm going to hold on for as long as it takes until reality is reshaped. Come on, somebody. It means to remain in constant contact even if that person offends you. Even if that person does not reciprocate the touch. Stay connected. How do we practically live this out? So when my wife and I, when we moved from right outside Philadelphia to our current neighborhood, we noticed that our community just didn't say good morning. They didn't really talk to each other. They didn't engage with each other. And we, th- we thought it was a personal thing, but we realized very shortly after that they don't talk to each other. People have been living there for 50 years, and they don't say good morning. They just go about their business. And so we started praying that we build greater community in our neighborhood, that that culture of not saying good morning and not talking to your neighbor actually changes. And so we came to Jesus, and he said, what would you have me do? And we said, change the culture in our neighborhood. He said, done. Now here's your response. So last week, it was my opportunity to respond. And um, so we're out. We walk in the dog. We're going to grab some food right before I have to go to work. And we're walking. And the dog, he's a puppy, so he's very distracted during our walk. But he was, he was stopping to look at something behind us. And I kept on dragging him, like, come on, man. Like, come on. And he kept stopping. And I, I saw something a little bit in the corner of my eye. It was a person rolling a stroller. And I'm thinking it's a mother and her child, parents, what have you. So, in other words, not worth my time, I guess. And so we get to the corner right before we have to cross the street. And um, I finally turn around. And it was a woman, an older woman, with two dogs and a stroller. And I was just as fascinated as my dog, Philly, (laughs) by that. And um, so I finally said, oh, that's what you were, was grabbing your attention. She's like, yeah, I, I told you to turn your butt around. It's like, oh. So we get to the corner, and um, long story short, we ended, she ended up joining us for dinner. She ended up, um, so she's a woman here from New York who's been here for 50 years, and she is really down on the city. She has a lot of criticisms. And during our dinner, we had a chance to speak out God's potential. She kept saying, like, this is a city that doesn't function. And we kept saying, no, Jesus has planted us here to do this. We are calling out God's potential and start sharing his love and his compassion. The same one that compels us. We started sharing that. We ended with a hug, a touch. And we exchanged our number. And she calls us friend. Amen. Amen. And we have, a, we have a dinner date for Wednesday that we'd be joining her. But what was our prayer? We came to Jesus. He said, what would you have me do? And we said, build community in our neighborhood. 
He said, done. Here's what I need you to do. If I was more, I was, I was hungry too at that time. So I was just trying to get to dinner. If I was more informed by my hunger for food rather than taking time to engage that woman, we would never be able to change the legacy or the customs in our neighborhood. If we were saying, oh, no, don't join us for dinner. If we weren't able to, willing to engage and touch and stretch out past our comfort, we would never be able to change and reshape reality in our neighborhood. So Jesus tells us to be, in, be willing to engage. He tells us to stretch out past our comforts. He tells us to touch those in need. But he also tells us to declare healing until healing occurs. What does he say? He said, I will, or I am willing, now be clean. And immediately the leprosy, his leprosy was cleansed. So the leper was, he didn't say the leper was cleansed. That dissociation or that detachment from that ailment gave him a new identity. Jesus, by his act of stretching out and touching him and declaring healing, allow for that new identity in the leper to occur. We have to do the same, folks. We have to do exactly the same. We are all fighting some type of identity, some type of anxiety, some type of experience that has shaped us in some way. In ways just like a leper, some things that you can see and some things that you cannot. How do we as a church help folks tear down those walls? Or how do we reinforce those walls? We have to examine ourselves. If Jesus wants us to be a conduit of miracles, then we must reach out, stretch out past our comforts, touch others, and declare healing until healing occurs. How do we practically live out this truth? Not just here within these four walls, but in your neighborhood, in your job. Yeah, with that person that you can't stand on your job. We have to enjoy the journey. We have to be in love with everyone. And we see examples of that daily. How do we live it out practically? Hug indiscriminately like TJ. Stop and greet someone with a conversation like Emily Ledesma. Say I love you like Chris, like, like Pastor Monty. Remember the first time they said, the first few times they said I love you to me, I was like, what? You love me how? What you mean? That's weird. <laughs> but little, little did I know, just like a leper, sometimes you don't know what's affecting you. But little did I know the reason why I had such a reaction to it is because I didn't grow up with a father, and I never heard a male tell me I love you. So more informed by that, it actually was affecting my ability to say I love you back. But they keep, they kept saying it, although it was very weird. And they kept saying it. And so eventually that stronghold now is broken in me and I say I love you back. Doran Cornania, run and give everybody a high five. Just touch. 
Share your story of triumph like Miss Debbie. Be tenacious in how you connect with people outside of church like Jose, like David, like Dylan. Be willing to pray for everyone indiscriminately, even if it's weird, like Matt, like Alicia, like Derek, like Tim. Stop even in the midst of a busy morning and and lend an attentive ear and spark a conversation like Camilla, like Amber, like Stephanie. Say good morning. Say good morning. This time we make good morning not just a greeting but a declaration, a prayer into someone's life. Speak healing, speak blessing, speak to each other. Be willing to engage. Be willing to stretch out past your comforts. Be in love with everyone. That was a quick sermon, right? Wasn't it? Wasn't it quick? I ain't going to keep y'all that one. Father God, we just, we just thank you, Lord. We just thank you that you have touched us, that you have cleansed us, that you have given us a new identity. We thank you that you call us leper no more, that you call us stranger no more. We thank you, Lord, that you have reshaped our reality, our reality so that we walk in love and compassion. We thank you, Lord, that you have delivered on our requests by simply asking, what would you have me do? We willingly take on the weight of that response. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for transforming us. We all just just stand. It's ushered on the Holy Spirit. Just thank you, Lord. If you are afflicted, if you are like me and in need of healing, in need of deliverance, in need of a fresh perspective in need of an encounter with Jesus. I ask you just to take that first step, just like blind Bartimaeus, just like the leper. Take that first step. Well, take the second step because you've come to church. Take the second step in coming down to the altar. Have an encounter with Jesus right here. Prayer team, you can move into positioning. These are your folks that are here to reach out and touch and to fasten themselves to you, to declare healing until healing occurs. Take that first step. Jesus' name. By faith, I see a church more informed by the love and the compassion that transform them and reaching out and touching those in need. Every eyes closed and every head bowed. Don't worry about the circumstances around you. Don't worry about people coming down. Don't worry about looking awkward. 
run down to Jesus like blind Bartimaeus did. Run down to Jesus like the leper did. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.